Welcome to another episode of Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Brian Cole, your host, and today's episode will be a discussion with an all-time NFL football great and an Emmy Award-winning sports broadcaster, Solomon Wilcots. But before we start this episode, a brief word from our sponsors. Sports Medicine Weekly is the sports enthusiast's resource for fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is sponsored by JRF Ortho. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. Rush Physical Therapy. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. Karen Malkin and Karen Malkin's new Protein Brownie Bar and Superfood Bars, the best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars, available on Amazon and at KarenMalkin.com. So here we are today on our Sports Medicine Weekly episode with Solomon Wilcots. He and I had the privilege of uh, sharing an amazing experience on Radio Row uh, just prior to the Super Bowl. So here we are in our format, Sports Medicine Weekly, and I'm really excited to have him as a guest and uh, to hopefully provide a little bit of entertainment value. He's got a lot of stories to share, and uh, I just this to me is one of the most fun episodes that I've done in a long time. So Solomon, thank you so much for joining. Well, Dr. Cole, it's great to be back with you. The last time uh, we had a chance to work together, you and I served as our own broadcast team on Radio Row at Super Bowl 56 um, at the LA Convention Center leading up to the game. And you and I, we talked about Macy, right, and the innovative treatment to repair cartilage damage in the knee. And it just so happens, right, you get into the game just before halftime, Odell Beckham Jr., goes down with an ACL injury, and I just thought it was uh, quite unique. It was very interesting, and of course, we didn't want anyone to get hurt in that game. I am a former Cincinnati Bengals uh, player myself. Um, he was having a great game, but to see him go down with that knee injury was a non-contact injury, and it was something that left a lasting impression on me. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know what's in store. When they replay that video, you kind of know what happened, right? And um, and, yeah. and you know that it's may change the tone of the game, and it's also going to have an enormous impact on his career. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something catastrophic. In fact, you know, 85% of these injuries are just like that, and but their impact doesn't even compare to what it took to get the injury in the first place. It's enormous. Yeah, and what I want to know from you, because I've had a lot of friends, I've never suffered from an ACO injury myself, but typically, uh, when someone um, injures their ACL, there's also some damage maybe to the meniscus, to the cartilage. There's oftentimes, even though they um, sort of recovered from the ACL injury, you have to go back in and do treatments with the meniscus and the cartilage. So what do you think is ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. as he looks to recover from that injury? Yeah, it's interesting because we often talk about return to sports in, in, in the NFL and any, in any major sport. And we say, look, ACL tear 
how long does it take to get back? And will that person look like they did before they got injured? And the ACL is maybe the common denominator with this, but it's it's what you're referring to is what's the other collateral damage? And what's fascinating is that it's been cited that more than 50% of people who tear their ACL 10 to 15 years later will have some x-ray or radiographic evidence of developing arthritis. So it's not a small injury. And unfortunately, it's an epidemic amongst our 15 to 20-year-olds. And they come in and they're focused on the fact they tore their ACL. And it, it really uh, is often the tip of the iceberg because the downstream consequences, even though things may look perfect at the time of surgery, can be quite significant. And to that point, there's a significant incidence of other things that occur at the time of the ACL injury, not only can they develop later, but they actually occur at the time of the ACL injury. And that often dictates what happens in the future. And the most common things are injury to the meniscus or the articular cartilage, yeah. the surface cartilage at the, in, within the knee. And as you well know, as an orthopedic surgeon, over half a million uh, procedures are done every year in the U.S. to repair cartilage damage. And Macy is one of the procedures that are now more commonly used. Tell us what is Macy and how is it used to treat cartilage uh, damage in the knee? You know, Solomon, it goes it goes back it goes back a long way. And in 1997, um, when when I was a uh, resident in training, we would have individuals come in who had cartilage damage, where the only thing we had available was to do an arthroscopy. We put a small camera in a minimally invasive surgery, but we had nothing to do. We would just go in and clean it out. Uh, we would use a shaver, which is a five millimeter instrument that allows us to uh, remove damaged cartilage and flaps and things of that nature. And while a certain percentage of them might feel better initially, that's usually very short lived. And if they do feel better, it's usually very incomplete. And it wasn't until that time uh, that we had uh, a company back then called Genzyme, now Vericell, uh, where the technology was developed, uh, actually much of which in the United States, in the Northeast, but also in Europe. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it is a procedure that we can actually regrow cartilage. We can take yeah. a sample of cartilage from you, the patient, and yeah. uh, we can freeze it and hold it and maybe won't need it in the future. But assuming you do, we can grow it in a laboratory. And this procedure has evolved significantly over the years. It went to, it's at the point now where we can actually grow it on a collagen membrane and mm. almost like wallpaper uh, through a small incision, yeah. place that onto an area that's missing cartilage, the same kind of cartilage that might be missing, for example, after an ACL tear. And this is mm. as a substitute to doing nothing for virtually, you know, for, for, for ever, ever since we've had this concept of sports medicine, it was really only until the late 1990s that we had an additional solution. And what's even more fascinating, we have not uh, until recently had a single additional solution come to market that has been based on this kind of biology wow. where we can take the patient's own tissue, culture it, mm -hmm. put it on a membrane, and then put it back in the patient's knee to resurface the area that's damaged and essentially it maybe even stifle the progression of disease and maybe even prevent them from otherwise needing a knee replacement in the future. See, I think this is phenomenal technology. And for those weekend warriors, right, um, for us average people, help define for many of us what is cartilage, that smooth surface right around the, the bone. But uh, there are probably people walking around every single day. They're experiencing some knee pain and they may not even know that they have cartilage damage. But we want to be able to get to them before the knee uh, and that joint totally is, is deteriorated because they can be saved, right? They can be prevented from deteriorating to the point where they're rubbing bone on bone. 
Yes. You know, it's so as you've alluded to cartilage, what we call articular cartilage, there's two kinds of cartilage in the knee. One is the meniscus, which is the C-shaped cartilage that helps to sort of provide a cushion or a buffer between the tibia yeah. and the femur, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the shin and the, and the thigh bone. And all of our joints have cartilage. And think about, you know, if you just look at, think about a piece of chicken and you have the joint, that white, yeah. white substance is the cartilage. And it provides a pain-free, smooth, gliding environment uh, that in a, in a joint that otherwise feels good. It doesn't swell. It doesn't have sharp pain, doesn't catch, doesn't catch or have mechanical symptoms. So when this is damaged, uh, we obviously would like to catch it early. Uh, and the first signs, the telltale signs might be swelling, might be weight-bearing pain. Uh, they can be mechanical symptoms such as locking and catching. Uh, sometimes people can even predict the weather change if, you know, barometric pressure change and things of that nature. Yeah. And um, that's kind of how you know. So if you haven't had an injury yet, you have some of those symptoms, That those are some of the, the, the qualitative things that you might. Uh, have and that's often associated with the reduction in activities because it simply hurts too much. There's just too much disability when yeah. getting back to sports or activities. So, Doctor Cole, why is it important to treat um, the cartilage damage in the knee before you um, really get down the road in that phase of deterioration that I talked about? So, there's some new evidence, even though we've always believed that the, the, we're, that we're sort of catching peeling paint, you know, where you see a, a little blister mm-hmm. of paint and, you know, you hope that's the end of it. And lo and behold, a couple months later, you see there's lots of other blisters and the paint's coming off the wall. We, we have yeah. always suspected that this, that when we identify cartilage damage, that it was like the tip of the iceberg, but we now have very objective evidence that suggests that these small areas of cartilage uh, uh, deficiency or, or degeneration will enlarge over time. And the challenge is once they get to a later stage where they're simply too big, where the joint is it's too involved, or frankly, the patient ages to a level where they're not a candidate because they just accumulate so much disease in their, in their knee, they are otherwise not a candidate. So we are now focusing our efforts on defining things early uh, the early phases of symptoms, because we actually believe that we can potentially change the natural history of what would otherwise happen if these problems were neglected. Now, I know you already explained the science of using the patient's own cells, right, to um, grow the cartilage and then go back in and replace it. But uh, give us a little bit more about how Macy works. If that paint is peeling, so to speak, uh, how do you go in uh, to make sure that it's no longer peeling or you're able to fix the damaged areas where the peeling has occurred? So, you know, the procedure is a, uh, a, a essentially a two-stage process but it's become very minimally invasive, both the first and the second stage. The first stage is a simple arthroscopy where we often define the problem and we take a small sample from a non-weight-bearing portion of the patient's knee. Those, uh, that piece of cartilage, it's about two or three tic-tac-sized pieces, is sent to a laboratory where it can be preserved and when needed, called upon where the cells are actually cultured and they're cultured, they're expanded, they increase in number, they increase in uh, differentiation to form cartilage cells. They are placed on a collagen membrane and then the surgery is planned. Uh, it can be as soon as four to six weeks later and through a very small incision now because we no longer have these, the, t- the technique has gotten just much more streamlined, much more efficient. We basically just take this, it's like I say, almost like a piece of sod. We can use a piece of that, that analogy and resod the lawn where the sod is missing. And the cells and the membrane, uh, basically the cells will continue to divide and, and integrate. In other words, become part of the host or the recipient uh, and fill in the defect with mature uh, uh, cartilage or something that looks like normal cartilage and feels like normal cartilage and can also, we believe, stabilize the edges to the point where it can actually prevent 
progression downstream. Now she'll let our listeners know that I'm not the only former athlete here on the show. You're a former athlete as well. Uh, You played high school football. So you know how athletes are uh, um, probably better than most. The one thing that we worry about with any procedure, what's the rehabilitation process like? When can I return to play? You and I both know that is number one priority um, in terms of just having that understanding. So talk to our listeners and help them to understand uh, what is the timetable in terms of yeah. being fully rehabilitated to get back to playing? Yeah. So when patients ask about rehab, they are often thinking, you know, a couple of things. Mostly they're picturing, when am I going to get back to sport? Like you're asking. And, yeah. the, it, it, and I think a good way for individuals to think about is in phases. And the first phase is often the most restrictive, but it's not very long. It's a, it can be a four to six week process, depending on the defect location where one has to be on crutches and maybe not even using mm-hmm. a brace. Uh, and then that, uh, we exit phase one pretty quickly into the middle phase which you know progress and we always allow our patients to do as much as possible so they're not this is not a process of sitting around it's active functional rehab mm-hmm. where they start to regain function as their pain and swelling reduces and we provide progressive load to the joint the load is actually very important for the joint to maintain bone health uh, but also it helps to stimulate uh, more maturation of cartilage so we dial it in over a progressive series of weeks and months where in general many patients will say in the first four to six months they feel better as far as return to sport, it depends upon the location of the defect, whether or not they had other procedures performed. But I tell patients that the range in general is between six and nine months. What's also fascinating with this procedure, this Macy procedure, is that during the time course of healing, there's a progressive improvement in terms of how they feel that can even go on upwards of 18 and 24 months. But most of the benefit is achieved by the first 12 months. And our return to sport rates are as high as 75 to 85%. So that's the other key that patients want to know. They want to know two things. When will I get back to sport? And when will, um, and, um, and how likely is it that I will get back? And the statistics in high level athletes, let let alone all comers is in the range of 75 to 85%. So when patients are chosen properly, and it's always about patient and athlete and individual selection and just patient selection, when chosen properly, we can expect timelines between six and nine months and success rates that exceed 75%. That's pretty good. Now, let's just say I'm a weekend warrior. I like to ski. I love to work out daily. I still love to golf, right? Um, And I start to experience some knee joint pain, or maybe I'm experiencing some catching in the knee. What are my first steps? So I think, you know, people often say, how do I know uh, a symptom is important? And I think that while uh, this doesn't necessarily require a trip to the emergency room, I think that it requires, you know, relatively expedient uh, evaluation by a physician. It could be a primary care physician, but I would argue that the most efficient track, if those are the symptoms that a person has, I think an orthopedic surgeon and not a rheumatologist, an orthopedic surgeon yeah. is the proper person to see. And it could be a primary care sports medicine physician as well, uh, but it doesn't have to be a surgeon. And mind, be mindful that all of those symptoms are not associated with, well, I'm going to the physician, it's going to be an operation. That isn't always the case. That's right. So pe- I yeah. think people shouldn't be fearful of looking into it because we have lots of wonderful ways to keep people out of the operating room. But there are some situations that are best handled early. And more importantly, patients don't like to be in pain and have associated dysfunction. They want solutions. So these, those kinds of symptoms can often rapidly be addressed to the point where a patient can get back to activities. And then there will be times where those symptoms will be associated, locking, catching, swelling, a sharp pain, a low range of motion loss will indeed be associated with a cartilage problem that would be amenable to this Macy procedure. 
Wow. I think it's exceptional um, just how far the technology has come and the things that you could do. And Macy is one of the new innovative treatments that a lot of more people should know about. Where can they go to get more information about the Macy procedure? Yeah. So I would, uh, the best place to go is to uh, Macy.com uh, to uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh and or the Vericell website, so Vericell.com. And uh, that's where they'll learn where their physicians are in their area who do this operation. Um, And I would say that the the field of articular cartilage is a very specialized area. Cartilage restoration has become a specialized area. And, uh, you know, we at, uh, I will say, at Rush University Medical Center, we we and and, and other centers around the country have a multidisciplinary approach to managing cartilage loss. And I think this is not considered a uh, problem that the general orthopedic surgeon will manage. They often will refer these to specialists in cartilage repair. So varicel.com and you can learn about Macy. Well, that's really good. And for those people who really are concerned about Odell Beckham Jr., you know, this is his second ACL um, injury uh, in the last three years. He came back from the first one. We saw how well he was playing in Super Bowl 56. The Rams did go on to beat my Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl championship. They broke my heart, to be honest (laughs) with you, uh, Dr. Cole. Um, But I am happy to report that he is recovering um, and it looks like he's going to return to the Rams for the upcoming 2022 season. Um, but man, he's he's probably facing some things down the road where he's going to need some continuing maintenance on that knee. Is that most likely? I think once you've had two ACL tears, as I said, it's not always about the ACL. It's about the other things, the articular cartilage, the cartilage and the meniscus. Uh, and, you know, as and it's also an, an aging athlete as well. So it's a big hit to get two ACLs yeah. in a very short period of time. But honestly, statistically, he should do well. You know, he's gotten great care. He's, as you say, he's recovering well. And, you know, one would think, uh, you know, that this, you know, hopefully will be the end of it. But look, people are entitled to get traumatic events again. And just because we reconstruct a joint doesn't mean these injuries can't happen again. That's right. And he's under 30 years of age and in great shape. So uh, let's wish him all the best. Well, Dr. Coe, it's always uh, good to join you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I got to hang out with you more often, okay? Salman, it's uh, been great to have you on another episode of our Sports Medicine Weekly. And uh, what you may not know is uh, our proceeds actually go to support orthopedic research so that we can find even better ways to treat our patients. So uh, I always enjoy talking to you and uh, uh, I wish you the best and uh, look forward forward to our next encounter uh, in uh, in this this world of radio and podcasting. All right. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please find us on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit us at sportsmedicineweekly.com. Remember, all net proceeds go to support research at Rush University Medical Center and the Department of Orthopedics. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is sponsored by Vericell. Vericell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit www.vcell.com. That's V-C-E-L dot Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. To be your best, you start with best practices. Eat better, grow stronger, reach higher. At Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, their work is what best practices are built upon. They're a team of leading physicians with the highest level of experience and training, prolific researchers delivering pioneering breakthroughs, orthopedic experts that other orthopedic specialists and their patients come to when they need individualized care. Get it done right the first time at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Visit RushOrtho.com slash the best to learn more.